Hey now, and welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast, episode number 238. My name is Mike Anello, and in this episode, I speak with Brian Perry about front-end components and how to get started learning and using them. Brian is a front-end architect with Bounteous and a frequent Drupal event speaker. But first, let's talk about Drupal Career Online, one of my favorite subjects. This is the 10th year of Drupal Career Online, and our next semester begins on March 1st. The DCO, as we like to call it, is the longest-running, long-form Drupal training program ever in the history of the universe. If you want to learn the right way to build Drupal sites, then you can join us twice a week for 12 weeks as we focused on best practices for building and maintaining Drupal 8 and 9 sites. Topics we cover include Composer, Git workflows, information architecture, module and theme development, and oh so much more. Is this something you might be interested in? If so, check it out at drupaleasy.com DCO. If you or someone you know applies, use the coupon code, air quotes, 10 years, close air quotes, when applying and you'll get 5% off the cost of the course. That's drupaleasy.com DCO. Finally, let me also mention Termageddon. If you haven't heard episode 237, then you need to go back and listen to it and learn why keeping your site policies, talking about your privacy policy, your terms of service, why keeping your site policies up to date is so important, especially these days, as it seems like every month or two, there's new privacy laws. So go to drupaleasy.com slash termageddon to get started today. Alrighty, enough of that. Let's get to my discussion with Brian. I'm here with Brian Perry. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well, considering. <laughs> considering, yes. So it is uh, Tuesday, January 5th that uh, we're recording this, so it's uh, a fr- well, maybe not a fresh start to 2021, but a start to 2021. So Brian, you are a front-end architect with Bounteous, and we right. have, uh, run in- we've run into each other, and I don't even know how many times now at various Drupal events. So good to hear your voice, and maybe some sometime later this year we might actually be able to uh, see each other and other Drupal folks in person, which would be swell. Absolutely. But I'm still counting this as social interaction. So, Yeah, I think we have to take what we can get, right? (laughs) So I invited you on the podcast because I recently watched your DrupalCon. uh, Actually, we're not calling it DrupalCon Global. I think we're calling it DrupalCon Europe uh, presentation um, that that you recently gave called an overview of Drupal 8 front-end component integration methods. You know, I watch that, and I'm you know I do a lot of theming for clients. I kind of do, you know, maybe hand waving component theming sometimes, and we'll get to that. But I thought that you might be a great person to talk to for folks who are you know Drupal, you know, who identifies a Drupal themer, but mm-hmm. you know maybe hasn't gotten into like component based theming yet. And like, kind of, what does that on ramp look like? So that's kind of what I want to focus on today. If that works for you, sure, yeah, absolutely. And by today, I don't mean the entire day. I'm talking maybe just like <laughs> the next twenty minutes or so. <laughs> I, I ain't got that kind of time, Mike. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want to ask you, what's your definition of component based theming? 
Yes. So it's basically any way to approach theming in such a way that you can break things down into smaller reusable parts. And uh, a lot of people have been introduced to the concept through uh, Brad Frost's atomic design, which is kind of like a specific language around breaking things into smaller parts that uses like atoms and molecules and, and things like that. Um, but it's really any approach that you take that is not like looking at things at like a page level, like you're not building a page, you're instead building uh, a system of components that you can use to assemble templates. And then those templates are used as pages. So it's really just any sort of approach to breaking things down into smaller pieces. So I feel like in the Drupal community, um, folks have been doing that for a long time, at least on the mental level, let's say. Absolutely. Right? You, look at, you look at a page, okay, well, that's the menu. So the menu is going to be on all the pages. So I'm not going to you know, style that menu for each page. I'm just going to style it once and put it on the page. And the same for the header, the same for the footer. And um, if you're, if you're, you know, really, um, uh, you know, focused on it, you might, you know, like, well, I know one thing I do is I always look at view modes. You know, I try, I, yep. I, I try to almost never look at a single, you know, page mockup at a time. I try and like look at multiple at a time and say, okay, well, what do these pages have in common? So that's yep. kind of what you're talking about, but I think component-based theming is taking it one step further where not only are you thinking about it in components, but you're actually implementing it. Do I have that right? Yeah, I think so. Well, first of all, the um, you know that Drupal-specific approach to it is completely valid. So you know if you want to you know, think in kind of Drupal terms and use those easily reusable things, be it view modes or even now like paragraphs is a, a common option um, for kind of parallels to components. But if you want to take a Drupal specific approach to breaking things down, like that still gets the job done. And depending on what you're doing and how your components are going to be used, that might actually be the best approach. But um, yeah, oftentimes people think about this approach to component-based theming as not specific to any one CMS, for example. So rather than thinking about, you know, view modes, you might think about the components that you're going to use. So you might have like a card component and you're actually creating that card component in isolation, oftentimes using some sort of uh, pattern library or prototyping tool like Pattern Lab or Storybook. And then once you've built that card, for example, in isolation, then you're figuring out how you can integrate it into Drupal and how you can pass the data from you know, a specific content type, for example, into that card. Right. So I think the advantages of using components is clear. It, it you know, promotes reusability. It kind of forces all the stakeholders to think about things as reusable and not just one-offs for everything. Uh, but what are, are there any disadvantages to doing it this way as opposed to like the old way? Yeah. Um, and one other, you know, potential advantage I'd throw in there is just the, the prototyping advantages. So it, it potentially makes it easier to prototype things on the front end before all of the uh, parts in Drupal exist. But uh, for disadvantages, um, I mean, probably the, the, the biggest one potentially is that you are 
kind of putting a middle layer in between uh, you know, Drupal and your components. So it does take more effort in most cases to get the right data from Drupal into these more abstract components. The main question that I encourage people to ask there is, you know, is that effort worth it? Are you really going to reuse these components? And, and you know, if so, it, I, it's probably worth the effort. And if you're really not going to reuse these things, you know, it might be worth taking a, you know, a second to think about it. So a minute ago, you talked about like a, a pattern library or a pattern library tool, mm-hmm. and these are things like Pattern Lab and Storybook, and yes. So, so can you just give like, what's a, what does that mean for a designer, for a themer, you know, for someone who hasn't used any of these tools, like where does that fit in? Yep. So yeah, it's a, uh, you know, a separate tool. Um, and, uh, you know, commonly they're like, uh, node packages. So you can actually run a local server in your development environment and it just spins up, uh, a, a UI where you can see all of your components and you can see the data that's passed into them. And in like Storybook, for example, you can actually interact with them and you know pass in different data and you know change them on the fly. So it, it's uh, a place for experimentation. And then additionally, that can be published. So you can have uh, like for example, I've had projects where anytime there's a a, a deployment, the the pattern library is automatically built and posted publicly. So there's always a kind of documentation and representation of the current state of the theme or design system that people can always look at. All right. So that's that would be useful for folks who are actually building out pages. That's almost like looking in the Lego box and saying, I have this thing and this thing and this thing, and I want to put them together, you know, in this new page. And that's kind of like a reference for all of the like, what are the various components that are available to me and what do they look like as of right now? Do I have that right? Yep, that is true. And then also I'd say that earlier on in the process, um, it can help with uh, working with the UX and design team. Um, so, you know, I try to get things in code and try, try to start doing prototyping in code as, as early as possible. So, you know, if they're trying to determine how feasible something is or what it might look like at different responsive breakpoints, um, being able to do that in browser using a tool like that can really help the conversation and, and prevent, you know, there being a whole bunch of unnecessary sketch files, for example, that are created to to flesh out or think through a design. So here's a big question then. Who is this tool for? Is this a tool that the designer should be designing in? Or is this a tool that the themer should be taking the designs and creating components in? Or a little bit of both or neither? Like who in the in the process is kind of like is like the pattern or the component you know person what what's the skill set of that person yeah part of that potentially depends on the skill set of your team members you know if you have um, designers who are comfortable writing code or prototyping in code um, it certainly could like be code. a tool when for you them. say code what are you talking we talk html css or sas or what are you talking about when you say code yeah, all of those things. And it, you know, it depends on what you're building using. But like for Drupal, it would be Twig templates and yeah, probably SASH partials and JavaScript potentially. Um, but yeah, so as far as like who this is for, uh, Brad Frost also has a great blog post called the uh, the the workfront and the sorry, the workshop and the storefront. Um, and again, he's the the 
person who came up with the kind of atomic design terminology, but he talks about there essentially being like two audiences or potentially two delivery methods for, for this type of tool. Uh, one is the workshop, and that's where people are experimenting and prototyping, and it's probably a little bit more weighted towards the needs of developers or at least people who are writing code. And then the the storefront is more like the formal documentation about a theme or design system. Like here are all the components you can use. Here are you know the approved templates, and these are the things you you can look through and pick and choose and, and try to assemble pages. So it it could be for different audiences potentially. All right, let me ask another question. So for someone who is familiar with HTML, CSS, SAS, and kind of the the normal Drupal front ender tools, what type of a time commitment is typically needed to kind of get up to speed with one of these pattern library tools? Is this like, you know, I can pick it up in a day or I need like a, a week's worth of training or like what's the, what does that look like for most, you know, for let's say your average front-end developer? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not that bad. I mean, there's definitely some conventions that you need to learn. Um, a lot of these tools are, are pretty similar. So if you have used one before, like if you've used Pattern Lab, you should be able to pick up Storybook pretty quickly. But um, so you'll need to learn conventions around like what, how the files are named, where things you know need to go, and uh, you know data structures and things like that. But there, there's typically good documentation and usually starter kits that have example components that you can use as a reference. So you know it's it's days, not weeks. So here's more of a, a nebulous question, and this is something that I, you know, I, I struggle with when I when I think about this. Is I know that on a lot of projects I, I work on, um, the client has a designer in house, or they have their own designer, and that mm -hmm. designer is for the most part providing, you know, static Photoshop or sketch files, you know, of of yep. the page. How, how would you recommend like working with a designer? who has that skill set but has never thought about things in terms of components how do we you know how how do we evolve that relationship in a way that you know is efficient and i know that's a hard question you know it depends on 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 you know the person or the personalities involved but any tips yeah i mean i would say that i feel like that is becoming more much more common for de uh, designers to also think in terms of components like this. So it, it's getting better. Um, but you know, for someone working with a designer who really hasn't done that, the kind of two tips that I would give there is, you know, try to find the smallest building block that makes sense to them. So if that is, you know, a template rather than a page, that's still one level of abstraction. Or if you know, they do think of things at the level of components, but maybe not the smallest pieces, like, you know, an individual button or link, you know, maybe that's the thing that, that you can find as, as, uh, as common ground. And then the other thing is, again, I think that the sooner that you can get some of these examples in browser, um, the easier it is for people who may not have worked with, you know, with this type of component approach, uh, the easier it is for them to kind of wrap their head around it. Right. So rather than talking about how awesome it is, show them how awesome it is. Yep, exactly. They'll, they'll start to understand. And when, and when you can, you know, sit down with them and, you know, they say, you know, what if this is on, what if we move this button over to the left and you can just really quickly show them in a browser at mobile and tablet and desktop, what that looks like. Um, they'll, 
they'll start to see how it helps them. All right, so let's get technical a little bit. And this is a lot of stuff that was in your in your talk, and I'll have the link to the to the YouTube video of your talk uh, in the show notes. Uh, let's start off, so, you know, again, something simple. Um, in my head, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, when I think about the technical aspects of the com- of a component, I'm thinking a template file and some CSS. You know, you know, it, it, it can, you know if you're going to build a component, you're going to have a template file for that component and a CSS file with all of the CSS necessary for that component. Is my thinking on track or off track? Yeah, conceptually, that's right. Uh, there also might be JavaScript if the component has some sort of interactivity. And then, you know, any other kind of variation off of that kind of depends on the build process that's being used. You know, sometimes uh, people bundle all of their compiled CSS together in in a larger CSS file. So there might not be an individual file just for the components. Well, but but that's more of like the build process side. But when you're actually building the components. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, like typically a SAS partial. Exactly. Does that mean that... Like, like, how would you handle things like the like the 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 font choice for the site? Does that mean that that has to be redefined in every component, or can components inherit SAS files or CSS from other, you know, parent components or something like that? Like, how how does that work? Yeah, generally there would be uh, a, some amount of global styles, things like fonts and you know headers and link styles and, and things like that that are defined outside of uh, components um, that, you know, you would expect to cascade in. Uh, that does, you know, with things like CSS and JS and, and you know, how React handles styling, that, that concept is starting to change a little bit. But usually your life is going to be a little bit easier if you have uh, some amount of global styles defined. All right. So uh, in your presentation, you know, kind of the, the, the big branching point in your presentation is where you talk about two different types of components a standard component versus integrated. So number one, is this something that you came up with these two buckets or is this more generally known? Um, and kind of, if you would define you know, what, what you mean by those two buckets. Yeah, that, that's something that, that I came up with, but you know, thanks to talks, uh, discussions like this, maybe it's becoming more generally known. But it's uh, you know, exactly that distinction that you made uh, early on in our conversation. The kind of standard Drupal component is um, taking a Drupal-specific approach to this, but it's really the way that themers have been thinking about this for years and years and years. You know, how can I make things reusable in the ways that Drupal uses, like view modes, et cetera. And then an integrated Drupal component, it, it really just means, from my perspective, that the component isn't in Drupal's standard template directory. So we need to do something to make Drupal aware of it. And also, there's going to have to be some additional work to um, pass the data from Drupal into that component. From what I understand, and again, I have not done anything on, on what you call the integrated side of things. You know, I'm very much in the standard category of doing these things. Um, it sounds nothing, like, nothing to be ashamed of, Mike. Nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> oh no, I hold my head high. You know, I'm not a I'm not a full time front end developer by any stretch. When we're talking about these standard components, to me, I infer that it's much more difficult to use 
an external pattern library tool with this standard component method, so to speak. Because I'm going to guess things like view modes and that, you know, obviously don't exist in Pattern Lab or aren't easily transferable from Pattern Lab to Drupal. Or I feel like there's there's some sort of disconnect when you're using the, the and I'm using air quotes maybe, on the, you know, the standard components in Drupal. Do I have that right or close or somewhere in it's the ballpark? Definitely, it's definitely harder and it, you know, requires some effort. Um you know, there's a handful of ways to do it, but once you kind of land on an, an approach, I'm, I, I don't think it's much more harder. It sounds like the integrated, you know, doing an integrated component where you, and to me, when I, you know, after listening to your, to your talk, now when I think about integrated components, I think of a component that starts in Pattern Lab or Storybook and makes its way into Drupal as opposed to a standard component, which is based on something in Drupal and kind of revolves around Drupal. And then maybe it's, you know, designed in pattern lab, but there's still some, some connection at all times back to Drupal. Right. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist until it exists in Drupal first. Right. I told myself, I didn't want to get too much into the weeds in the standard versus integrated because you do a really good job in your talk. So go watch a talk if you want to hear more about that. Thank let you. me, <laughs> let me ask let me ask it this way and i think i know the answer um well i know my answer so <laughs> uh, where should people start like if you've never done component-based theming before should you start with this standard approach or should you kind of rip off the band-aid and start with this integrated approach which you know according to your talk lends itself better to rapid prototyping um you know Probably if you learn the the integrated approach, you're you're kind of getting outside of your Drupal bubble, and what you do um, that way is is germane to other content management systems. But how should people start? Like, what's the best way? Yeah, that's uh, definitely a, a a question I get a lot. Um, so maybe the way that I would answer that now is I would try out. Uh, a tool like Pattern Lab or Storybook and e experiment with it a little bit. And if you feel that that will improve your workflow and make it easier for you to build components, then I, I would I would look at going down that path. Um, and we can talk about like what I think the easiest place to start with integration would be. But if you if you try something like that, and either because you're more familiar with Drupal or who knows why. It feels like uh, a tool like that is going to get in the way. Then I'd say stick with the you know integrated Drupal approach. But the reason that I like this approach and advocate for it is that um, you know conceptually it makes a lot of sense to me. But being able to decouple the front end from you know the the back end development in Drupal really opens up a lot of interesting possibilities and and actually does help. Um, you know, the teams that I've worked on build front-end components faster. But if it's not going to help you, don't do it. All right. So let me ask that question a different way. Okay. Let's say somebody is an experienced front-end Drupal developer. Comfortable with HTML, comfortable with SaaS, comfortable with Drupal theming, you know, base themes, sub-themes, template overrides, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and they want to get into component-based theming. And they have next weekend free and they're, they're willing to dedicate some time into learning and, and, and starting. It sounds like they should start with something like Storybook or Pattern Lab. You know, go to the Storybook website, the Pattern Lab website, look at the tutorials, get it installed, start playing around with it. Yep. As opposed to <laughs> looking at some of the Drupal base themes that support component-based theming out of the box. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but since you <laughs> haven't mentioned that type of, you know, a base theme, you know, uh, you know, starting with a, 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 a component-focused base theme, I'm guessing that you think it's a better idea to start on the, on the, on the pattern tool side of things. Yeah. Part of, part of my uh, previous answer was in, you know, from the perspective of trying to help people understand the the value of, of separating these things. Um, but I also admittedly uh, don't often use the starter kits. So that's probably why I, I often answer that way. But um, I also think it is, uh, you know, a, completely valid uh, and a decent idea for a lot of people to start with one of the starter kits, specifically uh, Emulsify from Four Kitchens. Um, that's the one that uh, people in the community seem to start with the most. Um, so that's also a great place to start. Uh, but obviously, you know, it, it's it's also opinionated in its own ways about how it interacts with Drupal and and what the component structure is and things like that. All right, so I, I want to nail you down on this one because I feel like you're, yeah, because I feel like you've given right. me two answers and, and that's fine, but I just won't stand for it to be quite honest. That's so totally let's fair. say you're hiring, let's say you're going to hire someone yep. to work for you or with you. They're experienced front-end developer, and but they haven't done any component theming. Where would you start them? What's their first day on the job? What do you, where do you point them to go to learn? Yep. Yeah. My answer for that uh, right now, somebody that I hire, um, I would have them working in Storybook and I'd get them familiar with uh, with Storybook as a tool. And um, then we would, then I would lead them down the path of learning how they can integrate, you know, Drupal data into that, that Storybook component. And are there resources for, for, for doing that, making that connection between Storybook components and Drupal? Yep. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of uh, blog posts and um, uh, there's example projects and uh, also, um, you know, uh, Emulsify is, a, you know, a specific starter kit for that. All right. So let's wrap this up with let's look forward. In, you know, without ever having used a tool like Pattern Lab or Storybook. I, it seems to make sense to me, like it, it kind of blue sky this, wouldn't it be great if we could design all of our components in, you know, in, in some external tool, some CMS agnostic tool, and then have some magic interface or YAML file that basically says the data that goes here in the component comes from this field in Drupal and just kind of do that mapping, hit a button and poof, there's your theme or there's yes. your component in your theme. Is that where this stuff is heading? And if so, how far away are we? What are the hurdles? Go. Yes, it's definitely heading in that direction. 
um, were, uh, especially based on some of the, uh, you know, kind of basic concepts we talked about, probably farther along than you might think if you're new to this. Um, there is uh, the UI patterns module, and uh, that essentially does what you describe. You can, uh, via YAML file or a JSON file, um, specify the fields uh, that are available in your components so Drupal can be aware of them. And then, um, you know, as far as having them like automatically attached to something, um, I've seen people create uh, like paragraphs-based starter kits that use UI patterns. Um, probably the the kind of biggest catch as far as where we need to go here, I think there there still just needs to be, and you can probably guess this based on some of the answers you were trying to pin me down on before. Uh, you know, clearer best practices and and more of kind of a uh, community agreed upon uh, starting point for this stuff. But people are working on that. Um, there also is a uh, like an unofficial initiative, the UI suite initiative. And there, you know, that's one group of people trying to solve that specific problem. Um, and yeah, the, a lot of what my, uh, my talk goes into is all of the, the different work in the community, the different modules that are all kind of taking different approaches to try to solve this problem. So let me ask a question, and I don't think you've you've identified either one of them are, um, as open source, but are Pattern Lab and or Storybook, are those open source tools or are those proprietary that have a charge? Yes, a charge? they're both open source tools. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so those are both tools that it's not like... Um, like a like a software as a service where you have to go to a website and use them. They're both tools that you install locally as part of your project. Yep, that's right. And uh, I think that uh, Storybook, you know, there are some like supporting services around it, but um, the bulk of Storybook is yeah open source. And there's actually a, a huge community around Storybook that that's growing, um, and it's available for so many different frameworks and you know rendering engines and pretty much everything under the sun you'd want to build on the front end, there's a storybook version. Did I miss any big questions or big points in this whole front end component stuff? Or do you think we, you know, we, we, we provided the necessary kind of overview for folks who want to, who want to get started with this? Probably main thing that we maybe missed um, is still a little technical, but around the questions of like where to start, um, the one thing that might be useful to talk about is like actually performing the the integration, so passing the data to Drupal. Where to start there? Um, another distinction that I, I make in my talk is um, you know doing that integration in code versus doing that integration in the UI with something like UI patterns. And in general, I recommend still that people start with doing that mapping in code, uh, like doing the mapping in a Twig template. Um, and that, yeah, that's kind of where I'd recommend starting. All righty, fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you so much. This was super helpful on me and hopefully to uh, at least one or two of our listeners. I'll take it. <laughs> and I look forward to see you know how this develops. This has always kind of been you know a topic that I'm kind of on the fringe of. I know about it. I understand the basics, and you know, I even I have students that have come through our our long form class who are now in. Um, jobs. Actually, one of them who we both know, who works, who works at your company, um, who is starting to work with this, you know, with with front end components, and they come to me and ask me questions, and 
Um, it kind of gives me a good excuse to start looking at some of the, the the template files and how that data is passed from Drupal into the into the component templates and things like that. So I find it really interesting. But like most things, there's only so many hours in the day to you know to learn. So anyway, very true. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you. This was fun. All right, fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Drupal Easy Podcast. Now, before you run off to learn Storybook or Pattern Lab, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on any of the major podcast services or at youtube.com slash Drupal Easy. We also provide an audio transcript of this episode at drupaleasy.com. And finally, if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, please let us know on Twitter at Drupal Easy or via the DrupalEasy.com contact form. Thank you so much for listening. See ya!